Good evening, morning and afternoon everyone. Welcome to another FPL Nations podcast. Um, today we've got quite an interesting one. We've got our top, I believe, of the group, um, Cristiano, with us. Um, Cristiano currently sits around 10k in rank. Um, and so we've, we've brought him on just to have a chat really about his FPL history, his season so far um maybe some rules and strategies that he follows his team his future transfers his planning and even his interests outside of fpl maybe so um yeah chris how are you hey guys i'm i'm, I'm very good uh thanks for having me uh it's a pleasure to be here uh, good and uh obviously we've got our co-host as well today um dom how are you doing I'm good. Um, FPL wise, another small red arrow. Um, I was really looking for another green arrow, but you know, we live and we learn. Um, outside of that, I've been, I've been doing very well. Good, good, good. So, uh, let's crack on with it. So, Chris, can you tell us like a little bit, I guess, about yourself? Your kind of how long have you been playing FPL? How the season's gone so far? Yeah, so it's uh, uh, kind of great this year. Uh, I'm having a very good FPL year. It's my second year only uh, to actually play the game. Um, I love football. Uh, I love stats. And yeah, I started playing FPL mostly because a friend of mine asked me, uh, you know so much about football. You watch so many games. I think this game would be very interesting for you to play. Um, and yeah, I started last year. Uh, I had the mini league with some friends. I'm not sure overall how I did, but I was second in our mini league. So yeah, it was a good first season for me. And yeah, uh, I live in Portugal. I'm 26 years old. I'm 28 years old. And um, uh, yeah, uh, football is a very is a very important thing here in Portugal. So yeah. Do you support a football team? Yeah, they're going to play today. Uh, it's Benfica. Benfica, okay. Yeah. You, do you support a Premier League team or are you neutral across the Premier League? Uh, uh, yeah, I have some some teams like I really like Brentford this year, but mostly uh, since I went to London, I'm a West Ham fan. But yeah, it's like uh, my second club. Yes, that is news. That is music to my ears. As a West Ham fan <laughs> myself, that is absolute music to my ears. No, that's that's really cool. Um, so I think I was looking at your um, your FPL history. If I can just quickly get that up, and I believe last season you did do okay. I'm just trying to find it here. You. Yeah, so last season you had a final rank of 300,000. Obviously this year you're absolutely smashing it. Um, so your current rank this year is at 10,000 pretty much exactly, um, which for anyone wondering is over 1,000 points at this point, which is top 0.001% or something like that of all people playing the game. So it's really good. Um how have you been planning 
this season have you have you taken in some some rules has there been any luck along the way or has it been stats completely how how have you tried to plan your transfers yeah you you also need a bit of luck yeah but um no the the biggest difference i think from last year that i that i'm doing right now is to take the least amount of hits possible uh okay. you planned your transfer like at least for me when i started fpl when i started the season fpl i had a team and i saw the fixtures and i had like a a plan to to make the transfer in for example make a transfer in a in fixture two this for that and i tried to navigate by doing that and even of course you you have um you have some players that that have some dips in form they have some players that can make uh big game weeks but try not to to deviate from your plan you have a plan follow it uh and and yeah that that's about it that's the biggest difference do not do not change your game plan and do not take a lot of hits mm-hmm. Oh, that's an interesting one because um, I think this is um, one of the topics that me and um, Dom actually differ on because I, I do quite similar. I-, I don't take too many hits, but I think Dom, you've had you've and you've had quite a bit of success with it as well. Is taking hits. Mm-hmm. Um, we often find it quite hard to weigh up whether taking a hit is necessarily worth it or not. Um, have you taken any hits at all this season, or are you on a, a clean slate? Hey, <laughs> my career already came out. My <laughs> my Caribbean side nearly came out. Um, no, for sure, I've I've um taken hits. I think as early as um the beginning of the season. Um, one of the things that I've used when it comes to taking hits, and particularly minus fours, um, because I've taken up to minus eight, I think this year, to if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, mm. is one of the criteria I use is is the immediate need. So, if I can weigh up the immediate need and say okay. There are two players or there's a single player that I need like right now who I can almost guarantee to myself is going to start and is going to be in on chances and is somebody that I can afford. Then I usually take that risk as opposed to, you know, overthinking it and not taking the risk. Um, and I'm only doing that in the hope of the person that will not only return, but return in excess of probably eight points um, so that the four points can be wiped out and I get a return of probably four points. So. Um, that's what I use. I don't necessarily, I would never like tell somebody to do it. I would never recommend it, but it's just something that has happened, uh, particularly this season where I have found myself in situations um, where I saw my team and I realized, okay, I need to make changes now, especially if it's like a bad game week and I realized I didn't plan too much ahead with this particular player or, you know, anything from injuries to red cards, stuff like that. Um, so that's where I usually go when it comes to taking hits. I don't know if that makes sense. I think hits obviously they contribute quite a lot to your score. So I can see Chris, you've taken three hits this season for twelve points. Um, and if I um, look at you, yeah, Don, like... how many hits you've taken? I think it's I think it's been most weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. 
Um, that's not as, not as many as I thought, to be fair. Um, but yeah, they obviously contribute quite highly to your score. Have either of you had success in taking hits this year? Because, and the one story that I can contribute to this really, because I've taken two hits so far. One of them very mediocre quite early on in the season to get Ronaldo in for his 13 points against Newcastle when he first joined. And the other one was an awful minus four hit where the players who I took out outscored, both of them outscored the players that I bought in. And so I probably lost a good 12 points just by taking that hit. Um, Chris, how's your, has your success when you have taken hits? Has it Has it been a success or have you... Uh, struggled to recoup the points that you spent on the on the hit. Yeah, if I'm taking a hit, it's it's because either a it's just a must a must do situation, and uh, in that case, it was I think it was one uh, one hit that I took is what is is was is it was with Ronaldo uh, in his debut. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And the others ones, I think it was injuries, so it was a necessity. So yeah. Uh, if I'm taking a hit, it's because I really need it, or because a player is just simply uh, not performing. <laughs> Kane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about it. No, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that was Ronaldo's debut. Is um, 13 points against Newcastle. I think that was. I think quite. A, I think the hype around him that game week was was very real on Reddit, on Twitter, on YouTube. Everyone was saying that he's going to do really well. And to be honest, I, th- I think I captained him that week um, just because you couldn't see anything else other than Ronaldo returning to Old Trafford and scoring. There was no other no other alternatives. And it almost felt like he had such a high um, ownership or effective ownership rather that week that if you didn't captain him, you were almost missing out on potential points. And and he did return as well. He, he did do very well that week. Um, so, if I'm not mistaken, having discussed this with you earlier in the week, I believe you've taken a hit this week. Um, and we were discussing it before. So, do you, you you've already made your transfer this week, Chris? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Unfortunately. <laughs> How do you view early and late transfers then? Do you try to catch price rises or do you focus more on getting the team news generally? Uh, I don't usually uh, go for price rises, but when uh, when you actually need uh, the budget, and in my case, uh, the plans that, that I was making, uh, those 0.1 or 0.2 might might made a difference. And yeah, I wasn't expecting this COVID to to actually postpone a game. Um, and yeah, uh, so I took a hit uh, expecting a sunrise and expecting a cane drop. And yeah, things didn't work out, but uh, I, w- I would have done it again. Yeah. In yeah. in a similar situation, you would do yeah. do yeah. the same thing again. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, have you made any transfers this week yet, Dom? Or are you ready to go? No, I haven't made any transfers as yet. Thankfully, um, 
seeing what has happened with regards to COVID and whatnot. But I definitely had transfers planned out. In fact, I think I um discussed a few of them with you earlier. I have two free transfers going into this um week, which is something that's rather rare for me <laughs> for the um length of time that I've played FPL. I don't usually have two free transfers, so I'm like really excited to use these. Um and I have earmarked a few moves. Um, I discussed some with Callum and he gave me some great suggestions. One of the things that I wanted to do was get rid of Vardy um, and use a 10 million to bolster my midfield and my defense. And one of the combinations I came up with was Watkins, so Vardy to Watkins and then upgrade Gallagher to, was it, um, Foden, right? Because I wanted to hit the Man City assets, especially for their great run. But mm. I just saw my on my phone today, um, Foden was a doubt. Is a, is a doubt going into the next game week because he was taken off early in Champions League yesterday. Um, um, probably, and they're airmarking this as just a precaution, but it's still probable that he may have done something to his ankle again. That's the same injury that kept him off for the last few weeks. So they're um, going to monitor that. I'm going to wait to see if I hear anything from a presser in terms of his health. But if not, then I probably will change that to a Bernardo Silva. And the money that will remain over is enough for me to upgrade my um, 3.9 defender to, I think, Walker or Cancelo, actually, because of the amount of money that I have. It's either that or the suggestion Callum gave me, which was to bring in King instead of Watkins, which frees up even more money for me. And I can probably get another premium defender or midfielder, um, depending on what the game demands. So that's where I'm going right now with my transfers. But obviously, I'm waiting to see if anything else changes before I, I make my final decision. No, of course. And obviously, there's um, Champions League and Europa League football this week. So any injury news that we might get throughout the week will be available at the end of Thursday night. Uh, I know a lot of people are planning on bringing in Ronaldo this week for his great run of fixtures. Is that someone that you've considered bringing in for Vardy? Um, actually, no. But when I realised, and when you know, glazed over some of the FPL pages that I follow, I realised that United have such a great fixture. I think what has been overshadowing it is the fact that they've not been as great as they should as they should be. Um, but the expectation is that as a result of their new manager, things should change. Um, one of the things though that I don't want to do is I don't want to rush in expectation of points and then get disappointed for a player who's worth like think 12.3 million right now because that's a lot of money for me to invest into one particular individual whose max return for a goal is four points and can only aim for anything else other than four points if he gets bonus points so i i think for strikers it has to be like you know kane last season was informed striking uh, i think top goal scorer and top assist getter so you know that's double the amount of points you'll get same thing with somebody like Salah, who's like inevitable at this point. If it's like that, then I'd definitely go and take the risk. But with Ronaldo, I mean, you know, you want to assume that he's going to score every game week. But with what Manchester United have been producing of late, um, in the Premier League specifically, I think I would give him some game weeks just to see. Because like, for example, against Watford, he, he had a, like some, a lot of chances. And you would expect against a Watford team to... He would score one or two. He didn't end up getting any score sheet. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take it game by game. 
I think I'm going to go get my game with him and I'm still going to go with what I planned because you also in, informed me that Watford's fixtures aren't bad either. Um, and especially for the form Dennis and King are in, I think it's a good, a good move in that direction for his price compared to the move that Ronaldo might make. Because then I wouldn't have any other options outside of outside of Ronaldo if I put all my money towards him. Definitely. And just to confirm, I think Watford have the second best fixtures going into this run now. Um, I haven't got their fixtures in front of me at the moment, but their their next few fixtures are golden. They they would be green on every FDR, every fixture difficulty rating list that you could get. Um, if I can just stick on the Ronaldo subject, then um, obviously if you downgrade Vardy this week to say King or Watkins, um, and say upgraded someone in your midfield, would that then stop you if you're taking it week by week and Ronaldo suddenly becomes an option does mm. that lock you out of getting Ronaldo because then you don't have the funds to increase again one of your strikers right. back up to a Ronaldo without taking a hit down in the midfield again yeah that's and that's always the risk I think that's where my technique of taking a hit counts um so and that's the thing I would be weighing up a lot of options so for example I know United fixtures so the next few th three fixtures are Norwich, Brentford, and Brighton. Three teams that you expect a team like United to at least go and get goals in. Um, if the Norwich game, perhaps he goes and scores one or two, probably three, which is possible. Um, then he becomes almost a guarantee from my from my estimation to go again against Brentford, who have not been great defensively. And then it then is when it, it becomes a case of do I need is Ronaldo a must-have? And then I'll compare that to what King has done or what Watkins has done or my other two strikers in Jimenez and... and, and um, is it, no, Antonio, it's Jimenez and... I, how have I forgotten my other striker? One minute, uh, that's because it hasn't been... Wilson, right. And Wilson has been the only one who's been producing of late. Yeah. I'll be comparing that to them. And if I can see where it's like clear and cut that Ronaldo is just going to be in and in amongst in and amongst more points than King Wilson or um Jimenez, then I definitely will make the the adjustment and take a hit probably um to get him. And or if I deem it not worth it, then I will continue to stick with my plan. Because my plan to bring them in is for the long term. So if I'm bringing in King, I'm looking towards the long term for him to get long term success as opposed to bringing him in just for one game or just for the immediate future because I immediately see him returning. So that's also what I have to weigh up. If it's out, if it's like outweighing my long-term desire, then I'll definitely take the hit to get Ronaldo in. Um, but if I also don't think that it's... Like if it's a penalty, for example, or if it's a, a case where he got a, a lucky break or something like that, then I probably wouldn't look at it too highly as opposed to... Um, if he, you know, beats a defender, the, the the attack was so great you can tell it was orchestrated to the point where Ronaldo all he had to do was um start it in, then I'd probably look at that a little differently. So that's where my mind would be at that point if he starts to score. Um and I'll definitely be looking to see if it's worth moving around pieces to get him in. No, that definitely makes sense. So Keeping on Ronaldo then, um, Chris, you mentioned earlier that you were into your stats or you used stats to have a look at um, some of your picks. 
Having looked at Ronaldo this season, I believe now out of all the strikers, he's got the highest XG. Um, do you think, say for example, in in Dominic's situation where he's thinking that Ronaldo hasn't yet produced under um, Ranić, so it's a kind of a wait and see. Would you say that his stats? Um, so far this season, even though he may not have returned quite as highly as people may have hoped, um, set him up for good for this fixture run that's now coming up. Uh, yeah, I really like the Ronaldo pick, uh, especially uh, this game week, uh, because uh, Man United is going to play Champions League today. Uh, all the leagues say Ronaldo's going to get rested, so... He's gonna play 100% on on the weekend, and on the weekend, the team that he's gonna play is gonna be Norwich. And even with um, the change in um, in coaching, I just don't see this Norwich team. They're the worst team in the in the league. And with the new coach, well rested, I really think Ronaldo's gonna is gonna howl this 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 game week. And especially looking at his at his fixtures, uh, and yeah, you you have the um, the odd game week that he might get rested, and you may say like thirty million or twelve point three. I don't know exactly how much is he is too much to have on the bench, but yeah, I think he's gonna howl, and I think he's a very good pick. Mm-hmm. So if I can just add, yeah, yeah. If I can just add to that, though, one of the things that I also considered, I now I don't want to misquote the stat, but I think in terms of Norwich's case, what was it? I think they were conceding every 66 minutes before the, the manager changed, and since the manager changed, they conceded now every 110 to 130 minutes, which in turn means that their defense has been rock solid, at least in comparison, the immediate comparison to what they were doing before. Now that's not that's not to say obviously that Ronaldo is not expected to score against a team like Norwich, but what I'm saying is that I I expect out of the gate, regardless of what type of Norwich it is, they're going to be defending. Um, I would give Norwich a little more defensive ability in that type of fixture, simply due to the fact that whatever Dean Smith has been doing has seemingly worked to shore up the defense much more to the point that they're not as likely to concede as they were before. So I think, I mean, I get I, I get exactly what you're saying. And if I was in an immediate position to, let's say, go straight to Ronaldo without having to move somebody else in my team, because right now I only have 0.6 in the bank. So for me to get Ronaldo, I'd have to move Vardy and then downgrade somebody in my midfield, which I really don't want to do right now. Um, I would definitely do it. So let's say if I had a Kane or somebody and I wanted to move to Ronaldo, I would have done it in, in a heartbeat. But because of those factors, and then adding to it, Norwich has been a little better recently defensively. Um, I think it will make me at least take a little longer to make that decision if I had to. Oh, definitely. Um, so at the moment, obviously, you're, I, I think Ronaldo's about two million more expensive than Jamie Vardy is, which is, I suppose, quite a hefty downgrade. That's sort of a... That's the difference between, say, a Man, Man City midfielder and, and Bumo or, you know, a, um, you know, a, a Reese James and a 3.9 or something like that. Exactly. Um, so, you know, that is that is a fairly hefty downgrade. Um, you know, also the difference between 
say Wilson and uh, King, though, or Wilson and um, Dennis. So yeah, it's definitely worth thinking about, I suppose. But if um, if you've got to take a downgrade anyway, then I suppose you really do have to weigh up if it's worth getting Ronaldo. And at the end of the day, if Ronaldo does really well against um, Norwich, then you can always, again, I suppose maybe for a hit, maybe not bring him in for his next few fixtures, which are absolutely fantastic. Um, The way um, Branjic has spoken about Ronaldo, do you guys have any indication as to whether you think he may be nailed? in the current team um only on the basis that obviously um Randick has sort of been called the father of the gigan press where he's expecting his strikers to run around a lot pressure defenders and obviously ronaldo being 37 coming up 38 he he doesn't have that stamina within him obviously he's not playing in the champions league well as far as we know, he's not playing in the Champions League tonight. Um, so is it sustainable still for him to play once a week um, under Rangnick's system? Especially given someone, I know he's got like a more physical presence than, say, Cavani had. But, you know, Cavani wasn't playing week in, week out last season, even when he was fit. Um, so can Ronaldo at 37 or 38, still do that? Um, I think uh, it's, it would depend on um, it would depend on a lot of external factors. One of the things that I would use when determining that is definitely the game-by-game scenario. So I look to see, okay, he starts this game against Norwich. You will have to look at the amount of rest time he gets in between games because I know in this period the games are coming in fast and furious. Um, and then I'll also look to see in the game itself, um, is he pressing? So you know you you mentioned the fact that he's the Ranić is usually um, a person who employs a press from the strikers go back. Is he actually actively ac- uh, participating in that press? Is he walking around as he usually does, not really trying to expend too much? unnecessary energy um so those are these small things i would like to to notice that's why i usually try to ensure i watch the games of people that i want to buy um and i guess too it would totally be up to the manager because even ronaldo this season who we thought would have been immediately nailed without any question has been rested randomly at times too um so i don't want to put it past Ragnar to look at ronaldo and say you know what we need you in the bigger situations he probably might be a super sub at some point and especially if he looks at the team that he's facing and he sees there's a need for us to press the defence, like what Carrick saw against Chelsea. And we need to have players on the pitch who can run for a solid 60 minutes at least for when Ronaldo comes on Ronaldo is fresh for 40 minutes. Um, I think that is highly likely. But I do also think that 75-80% of the games, 85 could be even 90% of the games, Ronaldo's going to start just because of who he is and his ability to get goals at any moment in the game. So I don't think it should be too much of a a discouragement for those who are going to buy him. It's just something to note, just in case he is substituted, try your best to have the immediate person off your bench be somebody who is um, of value 
at least somebody who's starting and can get you points at any point. I think that would be what I would look at. No, definitely, that makes sense. Um, Cristiano, do you have any knowledge of um, Ranick's style at all? Because I, I, to be honest, before he even uh, was mentioned for the Manchester United job, I'd actually never heard of him. And I know you um, watch a lot of uh, Champions League football. So I was just wondering if you'd ever seen his style before or seen how he's played before and how much he actually expects from his strikers or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I saw some of his work in uh, in the Bundesliga. He, I think he was in uh, Leipzig. And, and I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Offenheim. Uh, and yeah, uh, he's a very good coach. Um, but uh, you, you cannot expect Ronaldo to, to do the pressing that that he wants. And one thing that actually uh, made me safer to actually pick Ronaldo is when, one thing that he said in the conference was like uh, something along the lines that uh, you need to adapt to the players that you have. Uh, and he was talking about Ronaldo. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's going to try to put his his style in play, but he has to he has to have an, a knowledge of the play, the type of players that he has, and he has to do a bit of a mix, in my opinion. And I think that's what, what's going to happen. Uh, you have a poacher in Ronaldo that has the ability to score 20, 30 goals per season, and you don't abandon your style, but you, you try to make a mix of both things. And that's what I think is going to happen. So you think he'll almost try to keep his style of the, the press, but accommodate Ronaldo's um, potentially lack of stamina at this point? Yeah, um, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's, maybe... that, that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, mm. that's that's interesting to be fair because that might suggest that Ronaldo might not have to press as much, and maybe um, Rashford. Um, Sancho, Fernandez all Sancho, have to work yeah. a little bit harder, but then as a result, obviously they've still got Greenwood. They've still, at the moment, got yeah. Lingard. Um, so they have players. Even Cavani. That, yeah, even Cavani. So they they have players that they can swap on the sixty yeah. minute mark if they're doing more of the work um, throughout the game. That's quite an interesting point, actually, because yeah, that was suggested yeah. maybe and those an, players another mm-hmm. another player that I really think that's gonna boost his confidence and I think he's going to be a very good FPL asset is going to be Sancho. Uh, he was, he is with no, no confidence at all. And, uh, this coach really likes him. And, uh, I feel in the future, Sancho might be a good pick to our fantasy squads. Definitely. And I feel the same way about, um, Rashford as well, because obviously Rash, uh, Ronaldo hasn't played much with a strike partner. Um, so I, I think Rashford could go one of two ways. I think either he really succeeds playing next to Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously one of the best players in the world right now, uh, or, and this would be unfortunate, is if Ronaldo starts sort of gobbling up Marcus Rashford's chances by being a bit selfish and, you know, shooting when he's not necessarily on and not playing Rashford in or or anything like that. But if Rashford is now nailed as one of Ronaldo's strike partners, I would expect Rashford's um, returns, or at least statistics, to start increasing 
Um, maybe when he scores, he gets some confidence. He starts hitting those numbers as well. Um, so I think it's a really, a really interesting. Maybe maybe it is sensible, like Dom said, to to just wait and see one or two matches, see how Ronaldo is, and if he's doing really well. Maybe, 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 maybe he becomes a season keeper, um, or maybe you keep him for these fixtures and, and sell him when the time's right. Um, let's move on to your your team, Chris. Um, can you quickly run us through who you've got? Yeah, uh, just a sec. Uh, so in in um, my goalies are Ramsdale and Ben Foster. Uh, my de- my defense my defense is uh, Alexander Arnold, uh, James Cancelo, Livramento, and Regulon. Oh, okay. Uh, Good picks. Uh, I like Regulon yeah. as a pick. He's he's really good at the moment. Yeah, not at the moment because he, he might not play this game. Oh, week, so. <laughs> Minus COVID, he might be. A, he's a yeah. good option. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in um, in midfield, uh, before the transfers, uh, I had uh, Brownhill, just a father. Uh, I had Jota, Salah, uh, Phil Foden, and. Um, uh, Oh, Sissoko. Mm-hmm. And uh, and up top, I had Wilson, I had Kane, and Tony. Okay. And this week, you've made two transfers already for a minus four. And who did you transfer in and out? Yeah, but, yeah, but I'm probably going to free hit. So those transfers are most likely not going not gonna to count because I'm not going to do that. So... Yeah, the transfer that I made was Kane and Sissoko out for Josh King and um, Son. Okay. But but with this COVID situation, my team is is not great because uh, Regulon might not play. Um, then in midfield, I have Foden that's possibly injured. Um, Son again not playing because of COVID. Tony is not playing as well because of COVID. Uh, Wilson has not a great fixture versus Leicester. So, yeah, uh, my team's kind of a mess this game week. And, yeah, I'm probably going to free hit. Uh, I'm going to bring some new players to my team. Okay. Interestingly, we'll we'll come to the free hit in a second. But interestingly, um, you mentioned about Wilson's fixtures against Leicester. So I was having a look at the chances... Um, conceded for each team over the last kind of 15 game weeks. And I think over the last three game weeks, uh, Leicester have conceded the most chances or have the most expected goals conceded in the entire league. Um, So I think over the last four games, they've had um, an XGC of about six, uh, which puts them below the likes of Norwich, Newcastle, Southampton, um, all, all the teams that you'd classically think of, uh, Watford even, um, as defensively bad. So for me, and this is um, old, but I was thinking of putting my vice-captain chip on Wilson because I think Wilson can really take advantage of how leaky Leicester's defence have been recently. Um, so I think he's actually someone that I'd be looking to play rather than and get rid of he's actually one of the strikers that i think's in form and playing a, a bad defense um coming up now but but if we can talk about your 
your free hit plans then. Um, do you remember last season when you used your free hit? Uh, yeah, if I recall co- correctly, my free hit was used in a blank game week. Uh, not sure, but I think one of the teams that was playing was Arsenal. I had, I had three Arsenal players, but I'm not sure. Do you remember if it went well? Or you can't recall now? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it went that bad. Uh, but, but I didn't get a lot of points. I th- I think in that game week, most people. Uh, I think it, it was still a green arrow, but it was it wasn't a lot of points. Yeah. Mm. No, that makes sense. I know, obviously, the um, the community absolutely love using free hits on um, blank game weeks because it gives you a chance to not have six or seven players playing. You you have a chance to have a full squad of 15 or 11 or 12 depending on how much rotation you think there'll be um are you are you worried because you know i i think this is really interesting discussion actually because I, I had a similar thing last year and i used my free hit around exactly this time and after i did it immediately regretted it because i no longer had my free hit chip to help me through the double game weeks and the blank game weeks and Sometimes what you find is that the, or at least what I found, was that the free hit didn't help my team as much as I thought it was going to. And if I'd have fielded 10 players or 9 players, I would have only come away, I think, 5 or 8 points um, worse off. But then I'd have still had my free hit chip intact. Um, Do you... If you took some um further hits or if you kind of fielded the number of players that you have available now how many how many players would you be looking to field so let's see uh defensively i'm okay but i probably will would only have jota sala uh and then it's gonna be king wilson and probably I'm gonna I'm gonna have to feel Brownhill, and yeah, that's about it. I have so no one else. Could you you you? Am I right in saying that you could field a full eleven? Uh, uh, with your current team, obviously after your transfers that you've just made, uh, your your minus four transfers. Yeah. Uh, you uh, could no. Field a, a no. Full 11? No, I think I, if if Foden's fit, yes. But if Foden is not fit, I couldn't. I only have ten players. Mm. And he is a um, he is a rotation risk. I must say that he's coming up, especially if he was um, taken off early as a precaution in the UCL, because people like Bernardo Silva didn't take the trip at all. Rodri didn't go at all. So I think they are most likely to start. Um, as opposed to somebody like Foden who played and then had to come off. Did Foden come off due to an injury or was he bought off? Um... Ankle, ankle injury. Ankle injury, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I, 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 I think... Mm-hmm. Go, go, go ahead. I think it's one of those cases where it's like a, under precautionary status. So 
um it wasn't as if he did something and it was clear that his ankle was injured it was more of him either expressing some sort of discomfort or him telling the the people on the sideline that he might he might he feels as if if he continues he might do something to it but it wasn't as if it was overtly injured then so it was definitely something they're going to monitor but it wasn't something i was done in the game per se yeah 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 uh but Really, I I do not. I know it's Pep Roulette, but I just don't feel confident that Foden's going to start this game week. But yeah, he could start. And I suppose as well with your with your defense, um, you said you had uh, James Cancelo, Alexander Arnold, um, and Livramento. Obviously, James yeah. and Cancelo are rotation sort of rotation risks you know you could call them nails Cancelo, then... Cancelo didn't travel as well let me just add that one time so he probably is going to start so you think weekend. he starts as the Man City yeah. Uh, yeah. guru you think he he starts <laughs> at the weekend <laughs> Cancelo and Bernardo for me are locked this game week yeah they didn't travel, they're so. fresh yeah they're they're gonna start I, I would be happy with that reasoning as well. I th- yeah, I'm sure both of them will start, which is good news for me as well, because within mm. my team... I think the other person was... Hold on. Um... It, it was Rodri. Rodri. Right. Rod- it's three of them, yeah. So Rodri, um, Rodri Bernardo, and Cancelo are probably likely to start this game. So, yeah. No, that sounds good. Um, so, I, I guess... I don't know if if or when Chelsea play their Champions League game and whether Reese James um, travelled with them. Yeah. In fact, yeah, they're playing, playing right, right now. He's playing right, playing now. right now. Yeah. So just just to add, um, Chelsea's current lineup in the Champions League is uh, <clears throat> uh, Belaga, um in goal. They've got their right wing back Hudson Odoi. Um, and then the centre-backs, Cesar's Pelaqueta, Christensen and Malangsa. And left-back, uh, Saul. Uh, okay. I don't... Okay, I don't know what formation this is then. This has confused me. So they've got look what looks like two holding midfielders of Ross Barkley and Rhys James. Yeah, James is in the midfield. My Chelsea fan okay. friend just messaged that, yeah. That's really interesting. They've got attacking midfielders of Mount and Werner. And uh, Werner, who's scored, by the way, he's actually scored. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lukaku up front. Um, some of their bench players of interest is probably Mendy, um, Thiago Silva, uh, mm. Alonso, Rudiger, all on the bench. Oh, so you bet them to all start at the weekend. Great. The interesting yeah. one for me here is, though, that they've got three right backs on the pitch. They've got Aspilicueta, they've got Hudson Adoy, and they've got Reese James all kind of huddled in that in that right back, right midfield, right centre midfield spot. Um, do, do either of you know how that's working? It's not It's not working well. They're losing, so... They are losing 2-1 um, to Zenit St. Petersburg. You're right. Yeah, and they're, yeah, and they're going are... gonna to lose the first, the first place if things uh, end like this. So, Yeah, but I saw Tuchel's press conference because I also play uh, uh, Fantasy Champions League. Um and yeah, he said that there were more important games uh in the league and he was gonna rest a lot of players. Uh 
He said he was going to rest Jorginho. Uh, Alonso had some back pain. I think Kovacic has COVID, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, he, he didn't give that that much of importance uh, to the to the Zenit game. Mm. That's why I'm kind of scared, and I really think as well that Reese James is not going to play this game week. But that's just a hunch. Uh, I I know nothing. I I don't know. I don't know Tuchel. <laughs> that's interesting because obviously they've. They've got eleven available substitute spots that they can use, and um, and uh, Tuchel has only taken nine players on his subs, though so he's obviously relying on this smaller team to just get through the game. I'm guessing he's hoping for some sort of result, and maybe if he's not winning in the 80th minute, he brings on maybe Pulisic or Ziyech or Havertz or something. Um, but yeah, and, uh, it, it looks really unsure. Yeah, and it's and it's Zenit. It's a very long trip. It's in Russia. Uh, I think Time they're jet lag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get to get back to England, they're not gonna have a lot of time to to practice and to prepare the Leeds game. But yeah, no, you're very right, and that's that's probably the reason why I suppose some players didn't go at all, didn't make the trip. Um, if I. Could- uh, just randomly, um, as we're speaking about UCL and injuries, um, I read here on a Reddit post, which is very interesting to me, that um, Bamford injured his or re-injured his hamstring while celebrating the last-minute goal that he scored for Leeds in the last game week. I it's know personally, yep. So I know personally, as somebody who was looking to probably risk taking um, Rafinha through his rough fixtures, just with the hope that he's going to have much more. Um, in fact, now that Bamford is back up as a as a target, I think I'm going to re- reconsider um, that option as well. No, definitely. I, I think that's a a good idea to consider. To be fair, um, and one other thing, just to answer your question about the formation. So what Chelsea did, at least what I'm seeing here, is they played a back three with four in the midfield and three on top. So, as for the Quater, Christensen and Sao are, are the back lineup. I'm not too sure who lined up in the middle of those three, but um, that's the back three that they have listed here. The left wing back. As far as I'm aware, I believe. Right. Saul played as the left wing back. Um, Callum Hudson and Hudson and Doy played as the right wing back, and then as you as you noted, Rich James and Ross Barkley were in the midfield as like the two holding midfielders, while Mount. Lukaku and Wuna were the top three. So I think that's how they were able to employ three right backs. Just one more thing to add. Uh, Manchester United, uh, Ronaldo, uh, Rashford, uh, Bruno Fernandes, and um, who's missing? Uh, yeah, and Sancho. Uh, they're not even on, on the bench. So, yeah. People who have them, they're probably safe versus Norwich. These four. Wow. Not even on the bench? No, they're not even on the bench. So it looks Ronaldo, like here. Bruno Fernandes, uh, Sancho, and, and Rashford. That's, that's their entire front four. Their line-up here, as far as I can see, is um, Henderson in goal, um, which probably means David De Gea is safe. Um, We've got Wan Bissaka, uh, Bai, um, 
Galanga and Luke Shaw as their Luke defense. Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, which would suggest that Tellez and Tellez. Yeah. Dallo carry on playing. Um they're playing Juan Mata, uh Greenwood, Lingard, Ahmad, uh Matic and Don Von de Van der Beek. Um this is a completely second team lineup, I think. Um I have no reason to believe that if everyone else is the second team player that Wambasaka and uh Luke Shaw are the only first team players playing, so I I believe that Dalot and um Tellers keep their place at the weekend. Is that would you guys read the same thing? Tellers I'm not sure. Uh yeah. That that one is a toss up for me. Uh Shaw had a good Euros. I don't know. It's a tough one. That's a tough one for me. But those four that didn't that are not even on the bench, I think they're they're a lock versus Norwich. Definitely. So that may or may not um confirm some people's transfers that Ronaldo should should start at the weekend. Fernandez should start the weekend. Rashford and Sancho should start at the weekend as well. Um, I haven't looked at Man- Manchester United's table in the Champions League, but I'm assuming, given the lineup, that they're probably winning it. Yeah, yeah, they got uh, first place. They got first place locked. So yeah. Um. So Villarreal play Atlanta as well. Atalanta, sorry. If Villarreal win. They actually got Manchester United in the No, team. no, no. Manchester United has the the head to head, so yeah, it's uh it doesn't matter. United's got the top of the group, so Does goal difference come into it first though? Because if Villarreal beat Atalanta No, no, no. It's head to head. 2-0. It's head to head. United I think won 2-0 and they tied the other No. They they won both games, I think. Not mistaken. So yeah, after I think the point, if two teams are tied on points, they go by head to head before goal difference, or? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly that. Okay, yeah. that I I definitely learned something new there. That is not something I was aware of. Oh. Yeah, me well, neither. <laughs> to be honest. That's brilliant then for Manchester United. That yeah, like you say, that guarantees top spot for them. Then if that's the if mm. that's the case. The leak um, was right. So yeah. So yeah, that that definitely um, makes sense for their lineup now. Given, given that they've topped that group because they've taken five substitutes. And it, it is five substitutes the maximum you're allowed in Champions League? Uh, that I'm not sure, but I think, yeah. I think that, that that's it. Yeah. So. And then obviously they, they implement the same rule as the Prem has with the um, concussion substitute as well. So Manchester United don't even have an extra concussion substitute. They, they've literally just bought zero first-team players with them. Um, they have two goalies as well in the bench. Yeah. Heaton and... I, I don't know who the other one is. It's Short- Kovar. Kovar, he's a keeper. I know, I've heard of Shortire. I haven't heard of the other three. I, I honestly don't watch a lot of Champions League football. Maybe that's something when uh, West Ham get into Champions League football next season <laughs> we can all look forward to. <laughs> Let's hope so. Definitely. So um, let's go back.
to the Premier League a few game weeks? Have you looked at fixtures or players who you think might start performing uh, right now? Uh, yeah, I have some players. Um, and defensively, I, I don't think I'm going to get anyone because... Uh, my six defenders, including Ramsdale, are for me a lock. Uh, Alexander Arnold, it's a no-brainer. Cancelo is a no-brainer. James, even though he might not play all the game weeks, I think it's a no-brainer. I got Livramento at four at four million. So yeah, he's not gonna leave anytime my team. Um. And Regulon, yeah, it was a shame this COVID situation, but uh, I'm also not gonna. I'm I my my free hit, and my, my I'm gonna take him out, of course. But uh, I'm hoping that in two game weeks he's gonna be ready again. So yeah, I'm not gonna make any changes in my in my defense and in my goalkeepers. Uh, in midfield, I really want Bernardo Silva. It's kind of hard to fit him. With Foden, Jota, and Salah, I would, I would yeah, find it. yeah, Bernardo Silva is someone that I really want, and I'm gonna try to get. Um, again, the do other you, one, yeah, tell me, ask me, ask me. Do you? How do you weigh up the um, Bernardo Silva, Bowen? Um, Maybe you can put Foden in there as well, although he's a bit more expensive. And um, Gundogan, kind of four options there that a lot of people are looking at. And um, everyone who doesn't have Bernardo Silva right now wants Bernardo Silva. And everyone who doesn't have Bowen right now wants uh, Jared Bowen. Do you have an opinion as to which one you want to get more more importantly? Uh, yeah, I think Bernardo Silva, on the form that he's in, he's he's a monster. and. I'm already late to the party, but I still want to go to the party. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a monster. He if his form dips, oh well. Uh, but yeah, he, he's playing great football at the moment. He's by far uh, the best city player, and he's relatively cheap for a a team that's a title contender. So yeah. I feel it's the same situation that I had with Jota. Uh, I also was trying to avoid buying Jota. I was avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. But now with the AFCON close, Mane Salah might not be there. Uh, I already have Jota. And uh, I also was late to the party to Jota. But yeah, I finally got him. And... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Bernardo Silva is a must. I know Bowen is playing very well, but I think Silva is a priority right now for me. Definitely. And uh, Dom, did you have a question that I, I missed just now? Oh, no, I was just going to tell him that because Bernardo Silva is from Manchester City, you should try to find a way to um, get him in. That's all, my, that's all I'm going to say. No, definitely. I think, yeah, Bernardo Silva is obviously a good option right now. And I, I spoke to someone actually on um, Reddit who was saying that um, Bernardo Silva owners are lucky because his stats aren't all there and, and stuff like that. And uh, I think one thing that obviously stats sometimes tell, uh, 
fail to take into effect into effect is confidence and you know how often a player shoots when they're more confident and and things like that that's something that stats can only reflect up to a certain point you know sometimes if a player has no confidence he can be in a position where the xg is 0.5 so he's got 50 50 chance of scoring if he shoots and he doesn't have the confidence so he passes it the pass goes wrong and he doesn't even get xg doesn't show up on his stats that he's uh lacking confidence um i think if i can just add like probably in depth to that i think as i um explained to Callum, one of the reasons why Callum picked um both um bernardo silva and gundigan was obviously due to the the positionings that city take are taking up these days one of the things i think is facilitating his run i think it's very it's eerily similar to what happened to gundigan last season um, is that there were injuries, so both Foden and KDB were out for extended period of time together and apart. And as a result, the midfield was a lot more stretched in, in that a lot more positions were almost nailed. So people like Rodri never had to really worry about being substituted or anything like that because, you know, they, they needed him there. They needed somebody like Bernardo Silva to continue playing because he would be the rogue engine that otherwise would have been KDB. And definitely put somebody like Gundogan would have had to continue playing because he would have been the goal, goal-scoring threat from the midfield that Foden would have been. And obviously, had the supplementation of Jesus, Mara, Sterling on top, and then whoever else you want to play as he falls nine. But the interesting thing about Bernardo Silva right now is, um, just like Gundogan, he's been taking the opportunities that presented themselves due to our injuries. So one of the things that City does is a very rotational form of attack. In that at any one point, any one of probably the top five players in the, in the midfield to attack can be playing through the middle. So I've seen Renato Silva play through the middle. I've seen Gundogan play through the middle. I've seen Sterling Mares and Jesus play through the middle. And they all, at one point or another, would be um, either on the ball to shoot or on the ball to cross for somebody to shoot. And that's, the, and that's what's been benefiting Bernardo because usually what Bernardo would have done in the case where all our players were healthy, is play just off of somebody like a KDB or just next to somebody like a Gundogan, but never usually be the furthest player forward. He would be attacking, he'd make attacking runs and definitely make attacking options available. But usually that attacking position would be left to somebody like a Ford and a Jesus, Luling, Mares, um, because they'd be higher up on the pitch than him. He would definitely, though, be controlling that center circle area, that midfield area, and making everything click up, making everything move, and ensuring that there's always high energy there, which is what his um his go-to is, is usually just being um high energy as possible, running up and down the pitch without stop, always looking for the loose ball, always looking for the, the run, always looking to make a run. But as as I said, because now there's more space uh, on top, there's a lot more opportunities now where he's running through the middle as if he's a forest nine, as if he's a striker. And the goals that he's been scoring have been very testament to that. He's been in the typical striker position, just to slot home that vo- volley against Villa was typical of a false nine or uh, really a, a striker um, doing his trade, making a straight run, going on to a beautiful cross from Jesus on the wing and volleying it home. So um, I think that has been facilitating what we've been seeing from him and I do expect it to continue at least for the next few game weeks as long as City need him to be as attacking as he has been. No, definitely. And another thing to add as well is that it, the wing-backs, right, well, they're not even wing-backs for City, are they? They're just um, full-backs. 
uh, are yeah. playing centrally as well. So sometimes you'll see when City are attacking, Cancelo moves to the... If he's playing right back, he moves to like a right centre midfield type role, um, putting in crosses and things like that from sort of centre midfield on the right. And uh, Zinchenko and Walker, when they play, are trying to start doing the same thing. Walker's stats this season have improved since uh, the last two seasons just because I think Pep's trying to push him up the pitch a bit more um, and it's really showing yep most definitely um, so what else there? so let's talk about last weekend's results then um, so last weekend we had um and I, I I remembered midweek by the way that we didn't we forgot to do our predictions for last weekend. Um we spoke about how our predictions did for the previous weekend but then didn't predict what we were gonna predict for last weekend. Um, yeah, I, I realized that too. But obviously I suppose the big talking point and <laughs> as a West Ham fan it's lovely, uh is West Ham three, Chelsea two. Um are Chelsea defensively in a bit of bother, do you guys think? Or is this just a case that three weeks in a row they've played um, teams who are fairly good in attack? You know, Man United, questionable, but they have Ronaldo up front. Um, they've played Watford, who are attacking for fun. And then they've played West Ham, who are also attacking for fun. So have they just played difficult attacking opponents? Or... Have they lost a little bit of their defensive presence? Uh, I feel it's more of a injury concern in the middle. I think they're missing Jorginho, Kante, and Kovacic. Uh, they're they're the three players that I think that makes the the team tick. And without them, I think Chelsea isn't the same. And yeah, I think they're missing those three players, and uh, especially Jorginho. I think he's the the heart of that team. And without him, uh, they're not so cohesive uh, as we as we are used to seeing Chelsea. No, definitely. Do Do you agree with that, Dom? Um. Yeah, what, what? Let me just add this in real quick because I think it's very interesting. Um, I think I can ask both of you this: Do you think it was a shot? <laughs> because I think I think the goal that won the game, um, for West Ham was like. I think it was a shot. Do you think it was a cross, Callum, or do you think it was a shot? Which which side do you fall on? It was. Um, uh, I hate to be the bearer of facts, but uh, Masuaku himself confirmed it. He was said it a, was. Uh, he said it was a cross. He said um, he said he was su- as surprised as anyone else that it went in. So uh, he 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 all but confirmed that it was also a cross. And uh, I, d- I don't know if anyone noticed, but when he crossed it, he actually put a little bit of swerve on the ball. You know, um, sometimes how the best free kick takers can make it look like it's going one way, and then the ball suddenly sort of hovers in midair. It, it sort of Jolts one way to another in midair, and uh, Masuaku managed to do a little bit of that with his um, cross shot, um, which I think is the thing that tricked Mendy. 
Um, he tricked me. That's that's for sure. Um, so yeah, some some other interesting uh, results to talk about. Obviously, Liverpool kept a clean sheet at Wolves. Um, I think Salah got the assist. Trent got a clean sheet and some bonus points. I can't remember who actually scored. Is it Origi? Origi again. Um, so it was that. Um, for me, a disappointing 1-0 to Manchester United, although I'd bench my Crystal Palace players because I kind of expected... Um, Rangnick to start working his magic with Manchester United. I expected them to be defensively good. Um, and, you know, other other interesting ones is Leeds-Brentford, so that was two all. Um, Rafinha, I think, got a goal, didn't he? Goal in the... No, he only got an assist this week, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think Harrison and Dan James are two players to watch for Leeds. Sorry, not Harrison. Just Dan James is a player to watch for Leeds when their fixtures turn good because his numbers are looking equally as good as Rafinha's. Um, obviously, he hasn't played as many games, um, but I think if we can get some long-term data on him, I think he's looking really good. Um, looking forward, then we've got some some interesting fixtures coming up this weekend. Um, one of the ones I want to speak about a tiny bit is Manchester City versus Wolves. For me mm-hmm. personally, I can't see Wolves scoring. I think their XG is too low, and I think Manchester City have too good of a defence. Um, this week in particular, I've stuck my vice-captain on uh, Cancelo, because I think, should Salah not play, and I'm sure he will, but... Cancelo will keep a clean sheet, so I think he's a fairly safe backup option. How do you rate um, Manchester City's chances at keeping a clean sheet this weekend, uh, Chris and Dom? Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think City's going to win, and, and, and they're going to win easy, easy. I think that's a 3-0 in the making. Okay. Do you, do you agree with that, Dom? Yeah, I mean... No, I mean five and L probably is more like I'm. I'm joking. Um, I think one of the things um I always like to do with predictions in these type of games is um I like to be realistic with the current form. Um, City have of late, like they're very recently been conceding too many like consolation goals or last minute goals or goals that just don't affect the result but have been affecting our results FPL wise. Um, case in point, the West Ham game. Gosh, I know that that hurt me because it cost me at least eight points. When um Lanzini just pulled a screamer out of literally nowhere and scored yeah. in the top corner that probably no keeper in the world would have reached. Um in literally the last play of the game as well. Um, which would have otherwise been a, a two 0 to City. Turned out to be a two one. And then even Aston Villa, when we were coasting a two and two nil going into half time, and then Watkins comes and scores and Aston Villa were really attacking in the second half. So I was definitely I would definitely say City are very, very likely to keep a clean sheet, but I don't put it past Wolves getting in one at least very late on. Because I think City have been giving us giving me that tendency of just switching off us a little bit. 
when they've been up, especially if they do go up very early in the game, to allow a team like Wolves to get back in or at least get a goal, which wouldn't affect probably the result, but it would give FPL people who have people like Cancelo a headache. Yeah, I'm sure Pep's going to kick that out of them, though. I don't think Manchester City will keep conceding last minute last minute goals like that. I think they're probably anomalies. Um, the only problem is that if a last minute goal is going to come for Wolves, it's going to be Jimenez. Although not many people are going to have Jimenez against City. They'll probably bench him or something. But um, no, so I think. Um, I think uh, Chris has to go so i'm just gonna say now thank you very much for coming on the podcast it's been it's been great fun having you on and to be honest i've, I've learned a little bit as well um it's, it's always good to have an insight of a player who's doing so well this season um, and someone nearly or who has been in the top 10k several times this season must be doing something right for sure um so it's worth listening in. So I just want to say thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Um, yeah. Yeah, guys. Thanks. Thank you very much for this opportunity to to be with you, to be with you guys. Uh, continue the podcast because it's uh, it's very good, very informative. Uh, and yeah, you guys are a good bunch. And uh, I wish you luck in FP Hell, yeah. <laughs> thank appreciate you. Well, I'm, I'm coming after you now, Chris. Um, I'm yeah, only 20k behind you. <laughs> 30 points that's it or oh, 22 points <laughs> no thank you yeah thanks guys bye bye for now um okay shall we um two options shall we should we leave it there for this week and come back to this on friday or should we have a look further at some game week at the fixtures coming up this game week um i think we i think we've covered enough um, I think we've done a very good job of getting information from Chris. Um, with the time that we have, because I think it's when is the when is the deadline? I just saw it. Hold on. The deadline it's for deadline. this game week coming up. Yeah, it's only ten. Is tenth of December, so it'd be six thirty on Friday. So maybe we need to make it slightly earlier. Um, I think what we can do is do it earlier, yeah. I think that will work. And I think um for this episode has been um very, very sufficient what we've covered um in terms of Chris's experiences um mm-hmm. and advice. So I think it'd be perfect if we ended there and have a separate podcast where we can go completely in depth into what we what we plan for the game we coming up. Perfect. Okay, well in that case, um We'll log off now, guys. Um, thank you very much for, for listening to this one. Um, it was great to get uh, Chris's insights into his his planning, his transfers, how he's managed to get into the top 10K. I find it really fascinating, to be fair, talking to people who are so high up in the ranks. Um, and, yeah, Dom, as always, it's been a pleasure podding with you this week again. Um, if If anyone has any um constructive feedback anything that we can do differently anything we can do better um we'd love to hear it we've bought we're going to start trying to bring people in to talk to us um just to gain a bit of um 
exposure, a bit, bit of differencing opinions. Um, a lot of people have a lot of knowledge together. So hopefully if we can bring that into the podcast, it'll be a wealth of knowledge for everyone to use. And hopefully we can get ourselves as a collective community up the ranks. That's the, that's the plan anyway, to be competitive and to uh, have fun. So for this week for now, thank you for listening, guys. And uh, we'll see you, see you in the next podcast, probably Friday. See you Cheers, then, guys. guys.